All right. So I mentioned to you guys last week that uh, the topic that we did about um, uh, related to, uh, to to trees and whatnot was something that had to do with the uh, the research that I was doing for a video that I made for the BHI. So Baruch Hashem, the other day I finally uh, made that uh, that video. So, uh, but where there's another, I figured that what uh, what I did for the video is really the short version without actually seeing any of the sources inside. And I figured that uh, tonight what we can do is you can actually see the sources inside, which uh, are the background for that video. And then uh, for those who watch, you'll be able to see the short version. You'll understand it much better after having seen all of the uh, the sources in the inside. So here, uh, what we're going to do is, so the topic over here is, uh, with regards to planting trees or plants in your yard and negatively impacts your neighbor. Your neighbor may have allergies or your trees may go ahead and we have a type of tree where after the flowers bloom, they, they, uh, they fall and they make a big mess on the, uh, on the grass. So that can easily happen from one person's property to his neighbor's property or it could attract all sorts of birds. Let's say you have... Uh, a bird's nest, which is uh, the red-winged blackbird. And as a result of that, so they're dive-bombing your neighbor whenever they try and go outside. So all of those things, so what's the responsibility of the tree owner vis-a-vis his neighbor? So that's what we're going to try and explore um, tonight. And uh, it begins, hopefully it's there on the screen. Yeah? Looks good. Looks good. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Okay, so it begins with uh, uh, Mishnah and Baba Basra. So Mishnah and Baba Basra presents a fundamental, this, uh, a fundamental machlokas, exactly how to, uh, to manage these things. So here the Mishnah says, and there's going to be two opinions in the, uh, the Mishnah over here. It says, Marchikim esa, esa esa So Tanakama says, yeah, we'll use you as our uh, as our scapegoat. So you are my next door neighbor, and you have a well, an in ground well in your backyard. And I want to go ahead and I want to plant a tree in my yard um, because I like trees. Why not? I want to go ahead and I want to I want to uh, plant an arava tree so that uh, I don't have to spend five dollars or seven dollars on an arava package come circus time. I'll be able to just clip aravas off of my uh, off of my own tree. So as you see me digging the ground to go ahead and plant this arava sapling, you come along and say, hey, neighbor, um, I appreciate very much that you'd like to go ahead and you'd like to plant this uh, arava tree, but you know what's going to happen. What's inevitably going to happen is the roots are going to go searching for the water. They're going to cross the property line. They're going to enter into my well, and that's going to ruin everything for me. So really, you're not allowed to plant that tree because your tree is going to damage my well. So Tanakama says, indeed, that you can't prevent me from planting the tree altogether. But what you can demand is that I need to go ahead and leave 25 amos between your well and my tree. So if your well is right on the property line and I want to put my tree on the other side of the property line, that's not allowed. I would have to move my tree 25 amos away from your well. And with that type of buffer, we assume that the roots from my tree aren't going to find your well and go ahead and damage your well. So that's the opinion of Tanakama. Tanakama says 
that you have the right to say, listen, my boar is here. My boar was here first. And therefore, you cannot plant a tree in close proximity to my well. Okay, that's Tanakama. But Rabbi Yossi Omer, Rabbi Yossi comes along and says, sorry, wrong way, that Abishabor Kodemis Ilan Lo Yikos. Even though Al's boar was there way in advance of my tree, so even in the event that I planted my tree, and even if I didn't plant my tree yet, but uh, uh, Al has no right to go ahead and tell me that I'm not allowed to plant a tree on my property, even though the proximity to his well is relatively close, what's the rationale? Because it literally means I have the right to dig in my property. I have the right to plant a tree in my property. And being that everything which I'm doing exists entirely in my property. So right now, while I'm doing this planting of the tree, I'm not harming you at all. So since at this moment, I'm doing something which doesn't negatively impact you in the moment, so you can't tell me that I'm not allowed to use my property as I, as I wish. And we don't consider mineral rights or anything else that's going on below the surface. Um, right. Uh, well, yeah, um, it, that's an interesting question. We'll see when we get the explanation for this, why this is so. But right now, Rabiosi is of the Rabiosi states this opinion. We'll see in Rashi in a moment when we see the other Gemara. But Rabiosi is of the opinion that I have the right to plant in my property if I want. I have the right to dig in my property if I want. It's my property. I bought it fair and square, and therefore you cannot instruct me or, or, or uh, impede or impose on me to not use my property as I wish. That's the first halach. Okay. Now, comes along, halacha number two, it's on the same Amad there in Baba Ba. So this is the Gemara, not the Mishnah. Amr of Yudah, Shmuel. So of Yudah, in the name of Shmuel says, first of all, halacha Kerbiosi. So even though it's Tanakama versus Rabiosi, the nod is going to go in the direction of Rabiosi, that I have the right to plant trees, and I have the right to dig in my property if I want, and the fact that you're afraid that it's going to negatively impact you some point in the future, that's none of my business. I don't have to be concerned about that at all. But Amravashi comes along Ravashi and he says, Ki Havan that when we were studying in Rav Kahana's Yeshiva, so they added an addendum to this halacha. It's true, we paskin like Rabyosi, but Modi Rabyosi Bigire Dide. That's Aramaic. Rabyosi will agree Gire is the Aramaic word for arrows, Dide meaning his own arrows which just in a simple translation is, although I'm allowed to do on my property as I wish, and Al can't tell me that I'm not allowed to do what I want on my property, I'm not allowed to go ahead and shoot arrows from my property, which are going to go through the laundry, which is hanging on the laundry line in Al's yard, that I'm not allowed to do. Because once I'm shooting arrows out from my property and it's causing damage in Al's property, so that already is beyond what Rabiosi allows, and therefore, that's not going to be permitted. So I am allowed to plant. I am allowed to dig in my property. But to do something in my property, which is conceptually the same thing as shooting an arrow, that I'm not allowed to do. And we're going to spend some time in a little bit trying to iron out what is considered to be using my property, which is allowed, and using my property, which is comparable to shooting arrows out, which is not going to be allowed. Okay. So now, first thing we need to see is, why do we possibly like Rabiosi, or really better said, what is Rabiosi's rationale? 
Why does Rabbi Yossi say that I'm allowed to plant or dig in my own property and I don't have to be concerned about how, what impact that's going to have on Al's property next door? And even if it turns out that the roots from my tree are going to cross the, 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 uh, the property line and enter into his well and damage it, it's none of my business. So the famous phrase that Rashi says is, Shal hanizak laharchik because the nizak, that's the damaged party. So in, in other words, in this case, it means El has an obligation to make sure that he is not harmed by my tree. I am not, when I plant the tree, at that moment that I'm planting the tree, I am not harming El's well at all. Because right now it's just going straight into the ground. It's not doing anything. The fact that later on the roots may grow, may cross the property line and enter into El's well, so Al should go ahead and take precautions, put some iron into the ground or something like that. Make sure that the uh, make sure that the roots don't enter into his property, or we we won't actually see this halacha tonight. But halacha would also allow Al to go ahead and cut the roots which are crossing the property line. So all of that would be allowed for uh, for Al to do. But when we pass it like Rabbi Yossi, what that means is this phrase shall hanizak that it is the potentially damaged party's responsibility to make sure the damage doesn't occur. But in the event that it's a circumstance of giri delay, giri delay or giri delay, both uh, terms mean the same thing, that if what I'm doing in my property is equivalent to shooting arrows into Al's property, and the damage results from the fact that I'm shooting arrows, that already is not allowed. That already is crossing a line, literally and figuratively, and that's not going to be permitted. What does that mean? So Rashi explains that that in the event that what I'm doing on my property, as whatever I'm doing leaves my hand and it immediately causes damage to my neighbor, it immediately causes damage to Al, that already is conceptually the same thing as uh, shooting arrows. What's an example of that? Like we say in Bab Metziah, so you've got two people, so you've got a couple of people sharing a two-flat. So you've got the, the resident on the, on the upper floor, and you have a resident on the lower floor. And and that the floor upstairs, which is the ceiling downstairs, so there's a hole in there. So what happens when there's a hole? That whenever, and that's right under the sink. So whenever I go ahead and turn on my sink on the second story, so the water just goes straight down through the floor and it ends up in Ellen's kitchen. Hopefully it'll hit her drain, but it goes ahead, it goes straight through the floor and it goes uh, straight down. So So when I go ahead and pour water upstairs and it drops immediately down and ends up hitting uh, Ellen's kitchen. So curry lay giri delay. That's the that's conceptually me shooting arrows into Ellen's property. Because immediately when I let go of the water, when I release the water, it's already traveling in a way which is going to hit and damage Ellen's property, and that is not allowed. The Khipaski Vahadar Nafli, Lokarele Giri delay, but again, this is something which is an interesting lumdus, which we're not going to go through now. But let's say when I pour the water, it doesn't go through a hole in the ground directly into Ellen's apartment, but rather it hits my floor, travels five feet, 
then finds the hole in the floor, and then ends up going into Ellen's, uh, Ellen's living room. So if it hits my floor, travels five feet, and then drops through the hole in the floor, then that's not considered to be me shooting arrows. That's already indirect because it's not happening directly. It's something which is, uh, there's a stopover. Whenever there's a stopover, so that is going to exempt me from liability. One day, Ellen, we're going to get back to this, but not now. Okay, good. Thank you for letting me go. Now, this idea of giri delay, so we're going to see that although it creates this image in our mind in terms of shooting arrows or something like that, but we're going to see now in this next source, this, that it's really something which has very broad application, potentially very broad application between neighbors. And the Gora tells the, the following story. This is also Chafhema uh, base. It says, Papi Yona, that was his name, Ani Vehesher Haba. So he was somebody who began his life poor, and then he struck it rich. All right. Rags to riches story, known as Papi Yona. Okay. Banapada, so what are people who strike it rich? What do they do when they strike it rich? He built himself a palace. Because why not? You have the means to do so. You might as well build a nice house. And there were some structures in the neighborhood, that nearby structures, like a wine press type of thing or an olive press. That whenever they would go ahead and they would grind up the sesame, so it would make the, uh, his palace shake. Right, if you think those of us who are here in Skokie, it's a little bit harder. But think of a place in Borough Park where each apartment is is or each you know uh, house is right on top of the next one. So as Kimat, no room. There's maybe three or four feet between houses. So whatever is happening, you know, one person has a, you know is mixing dough in their house. Uh, the the neighbor feels it next door. So they're living right on top of each other. So this is what was happening. This guy went from rags to riches built himself this, this beautiful palace that he was expecting to enjoy living there. And the neighbors next door, every time they go ahead and they start grinding sesame, so his whole house is shaking. It's like he's, built, he's, uh, he's next to the L trains. Again, Chicago reference. So what happened? So, also the Kame, I don't know where they went, also the Kame Duravashi. So they came before Ravashi for a Din Torah. And Amrlei, Ki Havan Be Rav Kahana when we were studying Rav Kahana's yeshiva, they used to say, that if what you are doing directly impacts your neighbor negatively, that's shooting arrows. And being that that's shooting arrows, that's not allowed. Why is this considered to be giri delay? So Rashi explains, he says, So this is the impact of what they're doing is immediately felt by the neighbor. Why? Because think of it in terms of a jackhammer. So if I'm going ahead and I'm, I have a jackhammer and I'm digging up the cement in my backyard, that's going to be felt by the neighbors. The neighbors next door are going to feel that. And if that's something which is considered to be damaging, I'm not saying that necessarily is, but let, just for argument's sake, let's say that the neighbor is truly negatively impacted by the jackhammer. It's loosening walls, it's loosening pictures, or whatever it is. So then the neighbor who is being damaged has the right to say to uh, to uh, to the to the person who's uh, using a jackhammer, you're not allowed to do that. The way he says, "What do you mean? I'm doing it to my own cement. It's my own backyard. I can dig up the cement in my backyard if I want." 
So the response is, no, you can't, because while you're jackhammering, those vibrations are felt right next door, and it's impacting us negatively right next door, and that is, those vibrations are also geary delay, that's the same thing as shooting off arrows, and that you're not allowed to do, and being that you're not allowed to do that, so you'd be able to prevent him from doing that type of, uh, that type of construction, assuming there wasn't municipal laws and stuff like that, which dictate that, but in a pure halachic sense, you'd be able to stop him from doing that. Okay, so these are the two principles which we start off with, so one is, on the one hand, we paschal like Rabbi Yossi, that we say, that if you're being damaged by your neighbor, if Al is being damaged by me, so I can say to Al, listen, you take steps to make sure that I don't damage your property. It's not my responsibility. You go ahead and take those steps. But that rule, that principle is tempered with this idea that if what I'm doing in my property falls onto the category of giri delay, it's as if I'm shooting off arrows, then it's going to be Yasser. Then I'm not allowed to do it, and uh, Al can issue a cease and desist order that I'm not have to stop jackhammering or have to stop my arrow practice, whatever it's going to be. I can't play pickleball anymore. Whatever it's going to be on his yard, which is going to negatively impact the other uh, neighbor. I'm trying to identify the general rule that would define giri delay. All I can come up with is time delay. Is that, uh, would that be a, an accurate uh, uh, foundation principle? So a time delay is going to be an important part of that, yes. That's going to be an important part of it. One of the questions which I saw that they asked, which is, a, which, uh, which is also a fascinating type of question uh, in terms of defining Geary delay, which is relevant for you and I here, uh, Al, is let's say you live in an apartment building and somebody, uh, a neighbor wants to bring in a corpse. Don't ask me why. We never ask why people want to do what they do. But the person decided it'd be really cool to put on the wall for Halloween. They're going to put an actual corpse up on the wall. So you say, hey, I'm a Cohen. You can't put a corpse over there because if you put a corpse there, that, that impacts me. I'm not allowed to enter into my house anymore. You're shooting out arrows into my space and you're preventing me from using my space. And the post can say, yeah, that would also qualify as a geary delay type of thing that you'd be able to prevent him from, do, from, uh, from doing so. So we'll, we're going to have this conce- this very conceptual uh, idea of giri delay, but in terms of what's the difference between what's considered to be direct and what's considered to be somewhat indirect, so time, that time delay is definitely going to be a factor. Okay, so let's see how this is now paskin in Shulchan Aruch. So here, all of this is contained. It's a very long simon. We're not going to see all of it, don't worry. But we're going to see a few sifim uh, here and there in Simon Kuf Nun Hei in Choshe Mishpah. So here the first one is Kuf Nun Hei Sif Lamibes. We say, So this is now the case that we talked about before. I have a tree in my yard, which is in close proximity to Al's well, which is just over the property line. Oh, or it could be Balin Toa, or not only if I have a tree which is already there, but even if I want to go ahead and plant a tree, the same halacha is going to be true. El cannot prevent me from planting this tree with the claim, that the roots from your tree are crossing the property line and they're damaging my well. Why? Because Sorry, get rid of the nunches. Shezeh habam elav lachuzman, because the 
the extension of the growth of the roots in the extension of the roots that happens long after I plant the tree. It's not as if when I plant the tree, it immediately stretches itself out. That happens much, much further down the line. And at the moment when I planted the tree in my yard, at that moment, I wasn't doing any damage to Al whatsoever. That's something which happens later on. Getting back to what you said, Al, in terms of the time delay. And just like I have every right to go ahead and dig in my property if I choose, so too I have every right to go ahead and plant trees and plants in my yard as much as I want. And the fact that something's going to happen later on, which is going to be harmful to you, that I don't have to worry about, I won't say at all, because we're going we're to qualify this in a moment, but generally I have the right to plant on my property. And if somehow it's going to negatively impact you later on, so you figure it out. You go ahead and cut the roots uh, that are entering, that are crossing the property line. You go ahead and put a, an iron uh, dome or something around your property, which will prevent the roots from going in. It doesn't matter to me what you do. You can do whatever you want. But you can't accept, uh, force me to go ahead and remove my tree. So that is halacha number one. So that is the halacha of al-hanizat l'harthi gesatzmo. That is shochanach paskening like Rabbi Yosef. Now, next it, not next it, next thing we're, we're, source we're going to read, this is now Sif Lamed Dalet. Misha Asa Gorim Betoch Shalom. And here's going to be another example where we get to see conceptually this, uh, this principle of Giri delay. So uh, I decide I'm going to go ahead and put a threshing floor, a place to grind up grain and separate the chaff from the grain on my property. I'm going to open up a small business. Oh, Kava Besakise. Or I decide I'd like to go ahead and put an outhouse in my backyard, where it's, where your house is downwind from my outhouse. Oh, malacha shiyesh avak. Or you're going to go ahead and you're going to be somebody who takes um, cement and grinds it back up into dust. It's a loud and dusty type of occupation. Va'afa or dirt. So the main thing is, is what we would call now, I'm polluting the air. So I'm sending some, the work that I'm doing in my property pollutes the air, and being that you're downwind from me, you get that dirt, you get that dust, you get the smell from the outhouse, you get, let's say, the manufacturing fish, I'm making herring, so you get that awful smell from the herring, whatever is going to be, you get all of that. So in that case, in that case, I do have to move all of my stuff far enough away from the property line so that none of the dust and none of the smell and none of the chaff, which is now floating around in the air, none of that should reach your property. So all of these are examples of Giri delay that I'm working on my property, but as I'm working on my property, the the junk is being swept away by the wind and is going into your property, then I'm responsible for that. I have to make sure that there's a proper buffer zone in order that I shouldn't go ahead and damage your property. So even something like smell, this is, what, this is an important idea, even putting an outhouse in your yard where the wind is going to take the smell and it's going to make, nobody's going to want to go into the, the neighbor's yard anymore. They're not going to want to barbecue anymore. They're not going to want to eat chulets back there anymore. They're not going to want the kids to go out there and play anymore. Whatever's going on, nobody's going to want to be there because it's so close to that uh, outhouse. So there you have the right to protest and say, uh-uh, you're not putting an outhouse over here over my dead body. And I actually am considering it. 
Just kidding. So he says, Afilo Haisa Ruach Hu so, and even if it turns out that the only way the stuff is getting into your property is because the wind is helping it. That the only way the stuff is going to reach your property is because the wind is blowing, and that's why it's going to reach your property. And as a result of that, it reaches your yard. Nonetheless, so still, I remain obligated to go ahead and make sure that there's a sufficient distance between my thing and your thing, so that you should not be harmed. So that it should not reach your property and you should not be harmed by it. Because, we just grabbed that last phrase, because all of these cases are considered to be as if I'm damaging you by shooting arrows into your property. So here we see it doesn't make a difference whether I'm shooting arrows into your property and you're harmed, whether I'm sending a smell into your property and you're harmed, whether I'm sending dust into your property and you're harmed, or potentially, even if I go ahead and, you know, as I use my leaf blower in the fall and I blow all of the, uh, the, the leaves, they get lifted up and then the wind takes them into your property, that also I'm not allowed to do. You have the right to say, listen, you can't shoot these arrows of leaves into my property. You have no right to do that. So here we're balancing these two ideas that on the one hand we pascalic the one who's potentially going to be damaged has to take steps to protect his property. But if what I'm doing is shooting arrows into your property, then you could demand of me, I have to stop shooting those arrows. Let's see a nice succinct summary of this, uh, this principle. This is from a sefer called Mishpatei Achoshem. Very uh, authoritative and comprehensive uh, safer on these halachas related to neighbors. So he says, he explains, we like I don't have to go ahead and put any distance whatsoever between the tree I'm planting on my property and your uh, in the well that you have just over the property line in your yard. Even though it's likely that over the course of time, the roots are going to grow, they'll cr- cross the property line, and they'll enter into your bore, and that will cause damage to your bore. Right? Let's say I have a tree, which is uh, keeps, uh, you know, you still have the old um, clay sewer lines. So roots from my tree have broken through your, your sewer lines, and every three months, so your, uh, your sewer gets clogged. And the plumbers have to come out, and they have to go ahead, and they have to uh, they have to uh, they have to uh, to clean it out. So that gets expensive over time. And then the plumber keeps saying, "Listen, it's your neighbor's tree. You know, I don't know what to tell you. I could keep coming here every three months and having to uh, to clean out the line, but it's going to keep on happening because the tree is there, and the roots keep uh, every time I cut it out. Within three months, they grow back. Why? Because because at the time that I planted the tree initially, I was not harming you at all. Because the, the roots did not let, did not yet grow and even cross the property line. Here's the key. And then over the course of a year or two or three, as the roots grow, extend, and enter into your bore. So what's, what's causing the damage at that point? 
That damage is no longer traceable to me because it didn't happen when I planted the tree. It's something which happened. It's a natural occurrence after the tree is already there. And that does not qualify as mazik. I can't be considered to be a mazik because I own a tree that in the course of its growth, it's going to go ahead and cross the property line and enter into your bore. I can only be responsible for those things which are the direct result of what I do. And this is such a delay, and it's something which happens completely on its own. It's it, it's not my responsibility. The Kavan, and being there, I'm planting the tree on my property. Rashai. So I have every right to go ahead and do so. It's my property. Why can't I plant a tree? And therefore, if you're going to be damaged by this ale, it's your responsibility. But, but the Gemara says, tells us that Rabbi Yossi agrees that in the event that what's happening is comparable to shooting off arrows, then I do have to stop. Vahainu, what that means is, that what happens is, is that um, damage is resulting from what I do at the time that I do it. So he said, if I'm going to go ahead and use a jackhammer, so while I'm jackhammering, while I'm digging up the cement, the cement, uh, you know, uh, walkway that I have in my uh, in my uh, property, so you immediately are impacted by the dust. You're immediately impacted by the vibrations and by the noise. And since that's happening immediately to what I'm doing, even though I'm doing it on my property, you can protest. Because in these things, even according to Biosi, he would agree that I cannot do something on my property, which immediately reaches and negatively impacts you and harms you. Even though I'm doing all the work on my own property, because this is considered to be damage, which I'm doing directly. And what's it similar to? I decide I'm going to do air, I'm going to do a bow and arrow practice, archery practice in my yard, but I'm just a beginner. And therefore I'm not very good. And every time I miss the target, so it goes into your yard and I end up, you know, harming, uh, you know, your, uh, going through your clothing. And even though I say, who are you to tell me what to do? I want to do archery practice in my yard. If it's crossing the property line, it's going into your yard and damaging your clothes. So you have every right to go ahead and stop me from doing so. Okay. So these are the basic principles which, which we have. And this is something which we said. It's an interesting application that if I'm if you see that I'm planting trees... So there'll be a nafkamina, there'll be a difference halachically, whether or not, let's say you have allergies, you have early spring allergies, or you have late summer allergies, or you have both allergies, whatever it is, you're allergic to spring, summer, and fall. So in the event that you, so we, we differentiate between if I plant a tree, and at the moment that I plant it, it doesn't bother your allergies, doesn't bother your allergies until it blooms. So if it doesn't bother your allergies until it blooms, so then when I planted your tree, I wasn't harming you. Then when it comes into bloom and you're harmed by that, you say, this is killing my, my allergies. I can't sleep. I can't do anything because my allergies are so bad. I could say to you, listen, get an allergy shot or something. Do something. Wear a face mask. Wear a, a K, uh, an N95 to keep the, uh, the pollen out. But it's not my responsibility. When I planted the tree, it wasn't harming you. But if I plant something which immediately is going to trigger your allergies, 
So then that's more that's more similar to giri delay. That's more similar to shooting out arrows. And then you might be able to stop me from planting that, whatever that is, which is going to trigger your allergic reaction. Okay. Now, another thing is, uh, just as we get one more example, which we had uh, mentioned over there. Let's say, Misha Hichzik Lasos Melechas Dam on the so let's say one of my hobbies is I decided enough with Chosha Mishvat, I decide I'm going to learn Hilchos Shechita. That's going to be my new project. We're going to learn how to shecht. I'm going to shecht chickens and geese. I got lots of geese anyways across the street in the park by me. So I've got a plentiful supply of geese to go ahead and uh, into, uh, to practice. Just got to catch them. So I go ahead and do that. And I decide that I'm going to practice in the yard because it's my yard. Why can't I go ahead and practice Shechita in my yard? The problem is, is I don't bother cleaning up after I shecht the birds and the blood drains and it pulls up into the yard. So pulled up blood and my grass and my, uh, my property. So that's going to attract all sorts of birds and all sorts of rodents and all sorts of things which you don't want. So here he says, Shulchan Aruch says, this is the same simon, Sif Lamitas. So I am doing something with blood or I'm shechting birds or whatnot. And as a result of that practice, what I'm doing in my yard, so the ravens are attracted to the blood and they start hanging out in the yard because yummy, delicious blood is there. And that gives them, uh, gives them iron, it gives them protein, whatever it is that they get out of the blood, they enjoy it. And as a result of all of these ravens, which are now hanging out in my yard, so they begin to disturb you, my next-door neighbor, either because they make a lot of noise or because of their chirping or because they're standing around in blood and then they would go ahead and they, they uh, plop themselves down and they stand on your lawn furniture and suddenly you've got raven, uh, uh, bloody raven tracks on all of your, uh, your lawn furniture. you got a whole bunch of new lawn furniture this year and now you've got uh, blood all over it. Came Yoshimalilanos, as they sit on the tree, or you have an apple tree, or you have a pear tree, and as a result of the fact that I'm shechting birds in my yard, so these ravens come, they are attracted to the uh, to the, the blood, and now they say, oh, you know what, for dessert, we're going to go have some of the cones apples, or some of the cones pears, because it's right there next door anyways, we don't even have to travel so far, we don't even have to call Uber Eats to go ahead and get the uh, the apples or the pears delivered. Now, here's an important idea. Let's say you're the type of person, let's say I could, you come to me and you say, listen, you got to stop, you can't check the, the geese anymore in your yard because it's attracting ravens and the ravens are bothering me. And I'm going to say to you, you know what? You're, you're a wimp. Most people aren't bothered by the fact that there's ravens in their yard. If you're sensitive to raisins, you're, uh, ravens, not raisins. If you're sensitive to ravens and you can't stand the noise, that's your own issue. That's not my issue. Get over it. Figure out how to deal with sound. Put earplugs in your ear or something like that. Why is that my problem? Oh, Or let's say the ravens go ahead with their bloody feet and their bloody beaks. They go ahead and they peck at all of the fruit which is growing on your trees. So in this case, where my, my activity in my yard is attracting birds, and then those birds, once they're attracted to the area, they're now ruining stuff in your yard. In this case as well, the halacha is, 
Here also, it's my responsibility to either stop doing that activity, which is attracting the birds, or to do it at enough of a distance where when the birds come into my yard, they won't then decide to switch over, to move over into your yard. Why? Why, why is that my responsibility, the fact that birds are being attracted to the blood in my yard? Explain Shulchan because uh, slaughtering all of these geese in my yard, which attracts the ravens who then go over into your yard. So that is conceptually, this is the broadest application we've seen so far, but this is another application of this principle of giri delay. That it's not different than having an outhouse in my yard, where if it's downwind, the smell is going to go from the outhouse into your yard, and it's going to negatively impact the use of your yard. So here also, if I'm doing something which attracts birds, and those birds end up hanging out in your yard as well, and take away your use, or they damage your, your, uh, your yard, so I, you would have the right to go ahead and protest in all of those circumstances. So this also is something which you have to, one needs to be mindful of. Okay, now one last principle uh, that we need, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll to complete the picture, and then we'll call it a night. So here we have a fascinating halacha. This goes back to Sif Chaf. says as follows. Ruvein Chafer Guma Bechatzeiro. So here, now, instead of planting a tree, I decided that I'm going to go ahead, I need to collect some rainwater. And I dig a hole in my yard. So that when the rain comes off of my rooftop, so it will pool up together in this uh, one area. I, I want water for, to water my plants, or I want water for my animals. So I want it to pool together in a particular location in my yard. So far, so good. So far, we're all okay with that. However, but when there's a big rain, then Bokin, so then the, the, uh, the, the hole of water, of rainwater, overflows. And as a result of that, the abundance of water, which is now collecting over there and spills over, it enters into your wine cellar. And now your wine cellar is dripping. So in this case, where I have a hole which is collecting rainwater, but when that fills up and overflows, it enters into your wine cellar, then the halach is... Then you, the owner of the wine cellar, could demand that I go ahead and get rid of that hole in my yard. So the question is why? We said that if what I do doesn't impact you immediately, it doesn't, it's not qualified as giri delay. It's not as if you're shooting arrows into your neighbor's yard. So then we paskin like Rabiosi's principle, al hanizak laharchikasatsmo, there you, the damaged party, you have to prevent the damage from occurring. So in this case as well, I want to go ahead and I want to collect rainwater. If it turns out that occasionally the rainwater overflows and enters into your wine cellar, so you go ahead and better go ahead and waterproof your wine cellar. You go ahead and take uh, responsibility for that. Make sure the water doesn't come onto your property. Why do I have to go do that? Why do I have to take responsibility for it when it's not an example of giri delay? Because it doesn't happen until long after I dig that hole in my yard. So if it's long afterwards, why is it my responsibility? So it turns out that this halach is based on a rush. Chuvas harash. And the chuvas harash and then the nesivas goes ahead and summarizes it. And he presents it in this uh, in, a, in a sort of long manner in the Mishpatei Choshen 
uh, succinctly summarizes. And he says as follows, the, the rush says, although it's true, we paskin like Rabbi Yossi, that, for example, when the roots of my tree are crossing the property line into Al's well, and he ends up, um, it ends up damaging his well, I could say to Al, it's your responsibility to prevent the damage. That's not always true. What's the principle? So he says, Nimtza. Even when I do something in my yard, which which does not constitute conceptually me shooting arrows into your yard, so it's not that, uh, it's not a circumstance where I'm damaging you directly, but if the following conditions are present, then the responsibility shifts from you, the Nizak, and to me, the mazik, to make sure that it doesn't happen. When does it become my responsibility? So he says, number one is, You want to use your wine cellar on a regular basis. So if what I'm doing is impeding you, is preventing you from being able to use your thing, so then that is something which is pretty major. Let's put this in terms of the case that we said before, because it's easier to uh, to connect with. And that is that the... Um, Roots from my tree, from my arava tree, are entering into your sewer line, and they keep clogging it up. So every three months, you have to go ahead and you have to rot out the sewer line in order for just to be able to, uh, you know, take a shower and flush and do all of those things. So your sewer line happens to be something that you use on a regular basis. That's how all the water in your house drains out of the house, and you get it off of your property. So that is correct. That is condition number one. So if the damage that you're experiencing is something which you use regularly, the gam have sedo gadol, and the loss which you suffer is great, because either you're going to be rotting out the line every three months, which it gets to be expensive, or you have to go ahead and you have to redo the line entirely, which is also very expensive, to go ahead and dig up all of that, uh, all of that pipe and to replace it with something other than with the... Uh, Something other than the uh, the clay pipe, the gam and it's not something you could easily do on your own because it would be very expensive to do so. So again, it's damaging you uh, um, uh, something. With, uh, it's damaging uh, something you use regularly. The loss is great, and you can't easily prevent it. Then, when those three conditions are met. So in those cases, then we're going to say that it is my responsibility to go ahead and get rid of the tree. So this allowance, Rabbi Yossi's halacha, where we say that the damaged party has to go ahead and protect his property, that's only true when it's re- that's a reasonable expectation. But if he can't really, he can't live with this damage, and it, to go ahead, and it's not something which can easily be stopped, and it's not something, it's to be a huge expense to go ahead and replace it, then we turn back to the mazik and we're saying, you know, this is too much. It's too much for you to go ahead and to uh, to uh, burden your neighbor with this responsibility, which is stemming from your tree. And therefore, at that point, we would shift responsibility and we'd say to the mazik, you have to go ahead and you have to stop this, uh, you have to get rid of your tree, or you have to cut out those uh, those roots, because the damage is something which is uh, which is too much, it's too ongoing, and it's too expensive. So now the bottom line is, is that with all of these things, anytime there's a, a circumstance 
of damage which one neighbor is claiming is happening to the other. So all of these principles have to be considered. You have to get all the details of what's going on. What was their first? What was their second? How extensive is the damage? How much does it cost to go ahead and prevent the damage from taking place? All of these different factors have to be taken into account in order to arrive at the correct halacha conclusion. And then even with all of that, the best thing to do, the smartest thing to do is actually not paskin halacha, is to figure out, see if you can figure out some compromise between them. Because if it's a disagreement between neighbors, uh, they may be neighbors for a long time. And if they're going to be neighbors for a long time, you want them to be able to get along with one another. And paskin the halacha sometimes isn't going to be the best way to promote shalom. So going ahead and figuring out some solution to promote shalom, that usually is the wisest thing to do overall in the event that the uh, the rubber, the dying, will be able to go ahead and uh, and pull that off. But these would be the halachic principles which are involved in, the, in any of these cases where one neighbor's activity is negatively impacting the other neighbor. All righty? Yeah. Thank you, Rabbi. All right, Kivalik.